0: You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us.
1: Good morning, church. Psalm 145 one says, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and exalt your name forever and ever. Um, I always love when we get together like this to be able to praise God and worship him. I just envision him, envision him just looking at us just smiling and his eyes lighting up and just being so full of joy seeing his creation, doing what we were meant to do, which is worship him. Um, if you're visiting us today, we are the South Bay Church of Christ. We are just a group of imperfect people striving to love God and to love people. And now John Wick, have a few things he has to say.
0: I got to say, it is the off-brand Walmart wish version of John Wick. It is. I asked, I asked people what, what they thought I was, and I got about five different answers involving Loki, um, something from Harry Potter, and then I can't remember what else, but amen. <laughs> In any case, welcome, everybody. It's great to see everybody. How you guys doing this morning? Good, hopefully? Amazing worship, yes? It's pretty encouraging. So we have a theme for our uh, Harvest Fest 2022. Our theme for this year is the way. Uh, In John 14, 6, Jesus answered in somewhat of a polarizing and bold statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I don't know about you, but before the GPS era, we had the Thomas Guides. Remember the Thomas Guides? And more often than not, when I was a young driver, I'd have to pull over to a gas station and try to find my way, as it were, because, you know, we didn't have the courtesy of a smartphone every 0.5 seconds. It's encouraging that same vein to know that Jesus is our spiritual GPS in a sense, that he's highlighted and clearly shown the way for us to be able to worship and serve God. Amen? I'm going to pray for service uh, shortly, and then after that, our very own Mike and Rachel Dunson. Yes, you, you, can, you can clap them up. Little little jazz snaps as well, those are acceptable. Uh, They're going to come up and they're going to share their testimony about how God, through Jesus Christ, showed them the way. Let us pray for our service. Father God, we thank you so much for loving us the way that you do. You're an amazing God that gives us a relationship with you, uh, something that in some cases we weren't even looking for. Some cases we didn't even know existed. We're so grateful, God, that you showed us a way to you through your son, a perfect way, God, a perfect son, a perfect love. We pray, God, for our service today, God, that you bless it. Allow our hearts to be ready and open to hear the testimony of this Michael, Rachel, Dunson, and to worship with you with communion and the rest of our time together. We love you so much, God. We pray this in Jesus' most holy, perfect name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Without
2: further ado, Michael, Rachel, Dunson. morning ladies and gentlemen, good morning family. As it was mentioned I am Mike.
1: And I'm Rachel.
2: And we are the Dunsons and uh, we're going to uh, share a little bit about our testimony. I think this is actually my first time sharing anything about my testimony. Um, So please bear with me. Um, I do want to have a couple scriptures to share. Uh, The first one is just to kind of set the tone here, Um, in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21 it says, whether you turn to the right or to the left your ears will hear a voice behind you saying this is the way walk in it this is the way walk in it and I would say that I've probably heard that voice so many times growing up but I never listened to it (laughs) This is the way, walk in it. You know, I didn't have a hard life growing up. Uh, to be honest, it was, I guess, from my perspective, pretty normal. Um, I didn't have hard drugs. I, you know, I didn't go to jail. I, I didn't even break a bone. <laughs> you know, and so you can imagine, uh, you know, I'm just, you know, a black kid living in LA. You know, that was, that was kind of my normal, like, upbringing. Um, it was a single-family home, and it wasn't like I didn't know my dad. You know, he was—he lived in Hawthorne. And I spent time with him on the summers for a couple weeks, but uh, my mom and my dad just never got married. And so um, I lived with her for most of my life uh, with my sister. And we grew up, you know, my mom was very devout. We grew up going to church all the time. And so I would say that from an outside perspective, I probably was doing okay, you know, from an outward perspective. But on the inside, I, I was I was definitely dead. I was definitely rotten. And you know, I had the usual sins of the youth. <laughs> um lust was a big part of my life. Pornography was a big part of my life. I remember, you know, just being with my friends, stealing baseball cards and basketball cards and candy and gum and anything that we can kind of steal, you know, just growing up, just because we wanted to do it, um, I was a sailor mouth. <laughs> Probably got it from my dad. Um, you know, and again, these were sort of like kind of a normal thing for me, you know. But, you know, went to church every Sunday. Make sure, you know, I, I had my, my prayer. Uh, Mom would read Bible to me, you know, on the weekdays. Never really read the Bible myself. And so I... I basically had a pretty religious upbringing. Nothing transformative, um, no real conviction, but I had the outward life, you know. I would say there's a couple things that really began to help me have a paradigm shift in terms of how I should be living. Uh, One was the idea of mortality. You know, I remember being in grade school actually and there was a kid in my class named Otto and you know the teacher always say hey don't lean back on the chair and i guess he was leaning back on the chair he fell down hit his head and he died i mean, that was really the first time in my life i i mean i remember being in school seeing the ambulance come and yeah you know kid died um, there was another time not too far off we were playing basketball with some of my friends and you know the ball went in the street and the kid went out to get the basketball car hit the kid. You know, I'm seeing shoes everywhere. I'm literally seeing blood coming out of his skull, um, and he passed away. And again, a a family friend of mine um, was shot. You know, I remember seeing him probably not that long before, and, you know, uh, more like, we call them cousins, but, you know, they were more family friends, but they're very close to my mom. And I remember going to the funeral, and that was the first time in my life that I actually saw a dead body. You know, and I was probably a teenager, but I think these things kind of began to sort of wear on me and just make me think. You know what? There's there's mortality here. You know, we're gonna die, and and these were kind of like senseless deaths. Like they didn't have to happen. You know, um, but I didn't really take God seriously. You know, I knew that one day I would die, but I I just again, you're 15, 16, 17, 18. You know. You think you have the whole world ahead of you. Hey, I have this religious life on the outside. I'm good, right? I didn't really take God seriously until I went to college. (laughs) Um, And I saw some college kids who were by no means perfect in any way, but really decided to walk the walk. You know, I really did see their life matching with their beliefs. I, I, I saw them praying. I saw them confessing. I saw them just serving and, and doing things that I've never done, even though I grew up my whole life going to church. And I felt a sense of accountability, really, for the first time in my life, not just as the, the way that you would have a job and, you know, your boss kind of keeps you accountable or you have these, you know, evaluations at the end of the year, but really and accountability for my life. You know, it really wasn't until I actually sat down, read the Bible, and and read that Jesus not only died for me, but died because of me. And not only that, but it was a choice that he made. He didn't have to do this. And there was a sense of mortality there. There was a sense of, this is real. Life matters. How you walk matters. And there's a couple of scriptures in Amos that really kind of encapsulates my heart, I think at the time before my conversion to Christ, um, in Amos chapter 5, verse 21 to 24, it says, this is God speaking, and he says, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice offerings, I will not regard them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Let Justice roll like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. This described me, you know, going to church, being religious, having my festivals, my grain offerings. I checked the list, but God hated every moment of it because I didn't go to worship him. I actually went to worship me, you know. And I think some of us, we we have to kind of realize, hey, like, what, what are we here for? You know, are we here to worship God? Or are we here to sort of check the list off? Or are we here to be outwardly religious? Or are we here to be transformed? You know, it was really the first time in my life, um, even years after I became a disciple, that I realized that religion was actually something I made up. Religion was something that humans made up. That it wasn't something that God brought to humanity, that that Christ didn't come down to bring us religion, he came down to bring us his father's kingdom, that he, he came to bring us his father's character, um, exemplified, and he lived it. And I, and I began to study what this kingdom is, and, and you know it, be, it became just a beautiful thing for me, like, wow, like, like mortality is real, but this is, this is promising me eternal life? Wow, okay. Like, I can actually change my heart. I don't have to just pretend to be on the outside good. I can actually be good on the inside. Like, how is that possible? Right? How do I stop the, the, the embarrassing sins? You know, how, how do I stop the, the pornography? How do I stop the, the, the cussing? How do, I, how do I stop being religious? It's through the Son. It's in Him showing you the way. You know, God was concerned about justice he was concerned about humility and in Amos's time, you know, you got to understand like it wasn't so much different than it is today. It's probably actually a little better. Like the economy was actually pretty good at that time and gas prices were pretty low at that time and people had houses and pe- like it was a really good time, but then you hear Amos saying your religiosity is eating you alive. God doesn't care about that. He cares about your heart. There's another passage in chapter 8 verses 4 to 6. And again, this This is kind of my life. It says, hear this, you who trample the needy and do away with the poor of the land, saying, when will the new moon be over that we may sell grain and the Sabbath be ended that we may market wheat, skimping on the measure, boosting the price and cheating with dishonest scales, buying the poor with silver and the needy with a pair of sandals, selling even uh, the sweepings in the wheat. You know, this, this passage is really talking about, literally, this, this literally happened back in the day. People would go to church services, and obviously it wasn't like this, but they would worship God, and they had these festivals. And they, again, they had their outward rituals, but they were literally waiting for them to end so that they can go trample the poor. They were, they were looking at their watches. When is this over so I can go live my life? That was me. That was me. You know, and I think it took years even after becoming a disciple to really understand the spirit of worship. That it's not just coming and, and hearing songs. It, it, it really is worshiping God in spirit and in truth. You know, I was, yeah, I had a pretty normal upbringing. Um, unfortunately, I, didn't, I don't have the, I got in a car crash and I woke up three months later. You know, like I don't have these kind of, of stories. But I think my my story is probably the norm for a lot of people. That you know, I had a pretty good upbringing. It wasn't perfect, but I think I didn't really know God. I knew the church. I knew the outside. I knew the things that I needed to do, but I wasn't really um, I, I wasn't really close to Him, you know. And so I think everyone needs to come face to face with reality, with the the reality of their walk. How was your walk? You know, not how is the list that you checked off, but how is your walk with God? You know, he sees our hearts. He sees what we do, what we don't do. He sees the heart when we come to church, when we leave the church, you know. And um, so, yeah, so that's my pretty much basic testimony. Um, Hopefully it encourages somebody. And uh, at this time, my awesome wife will share hers.
1: All right. Hi, everybody. Um, so, as mentioned earlier, I'm Rachel, um, and I'm 39 years old. I've been a part of this church now since 2009, um, but I've only been here in the South Bay portion of that um, for about six and a half years. And I'm married to this lovely guy, as I already mentioned, um, for just a little over a year now. Um, and so, and we're also, you know, working on the kid aspect, so please pray, you know, for that. Um, but here's a little bit about my story. So uh, I was born and raised in the Midwest, and um, after my parents divorced, when I was about three or four years old, we moved to Indiana with my mom, and my mom stopped going to church. My grandparents were religious, um, but I didn't know much other than like, I remember some Sunday school stuff, like we put felt things on a board one time, but anyway. Uh, my dad was raised Jewish and, uh, and was by blood. so. Uh, But he didn't really go to temple all my life. He never really talked about it. Um, I didn't know much about that until I was an adult, actually. Um, And so I really grew up in a non-religious home. Um, I would hear a little bit about God and Jesus, um, but overall I was just taught to be a good person. I don't know if anybody can relate to that, what a good person is. Um, But, you know, those were really based on loose standards of what, you know, my parents taught me um, of what a good person was. And so, uh, you know, I was a pretty good kid, though, overall. I was kind of, I'm the middle child, so I'm also like the harmonization uh, and wanted to keep the peace, you know, especially with my parents being divorced and the tension that was there. Um, But I also learned how to hide my true feelings and to really keep things hidden. Um, And so it was in high school uh, when I really started to change my standards to fit uh, my own and others' desires. Um, I was dating a guy at the time and, uh, gave into impurity and become sexually active, uh, with him, um, back when I was, you know, 16 years old and, you know, fast forward a little bit into college. Um, I was at Purdue, go boilers. Um, I started attending a church with my, it was a different boyfriend at the time, but my college boyfriend and his family and just really saw their life and thought, you know, yeah, that, that seems pretty good. I kind of want to try that. Um, But I really wasn't fully in it, doing it God's way. Um, I would listen, kind of like Mike mentioned, like I would listen on Sundays, but I wasn't really, you know, reading my own Bible. I wasn't reading it for myself. Um, And so I kind of had improved a little bit um, overall, but, you know, just really didn't know the full length of God's standards um, and kind of adjusted them to what I wanted. I was still kind of living that, how to be a good, you know, on the outside perspective to my family (laughs) and like social, you know, the social things, norms at the time, I guess. And so after college, um, and I was in a sorority and stuff. Thankfully, it wasn't a crazy sorority, but, you know, I went to parties, drank, different things like that. Um, But uh, after college, I graduated. I got a job that rotated me through a a few different locations. So I found myself, I was initially in Illinois, and then I was in Ohio, and I didn't know that that was when um, I would really find myself in my lowest, darkest valley in my life. Sorry, notes are helping me, thank you. <laughs> so I had stopped attending church. Um, I was working second shift, which is a night shift, uh, some of you guys might know, and it just didn't really suit my schedule to get up early on Sunday mornings. I did try a few times, um, but, you know, pretty much all I got was, oh, yeah, the singles meet on Tuesday nights. And I was like, well, that's great because I work, so that's not happening. Um, and nobody really followed up. So I was like, you know what? I can do this on my own. I'll just watch TV. There's, like, you know, Joyce Meyer. We've got a few other folks. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just watch that on Sunday, and I'll read my Bible. I'm good. I don't, I don't need anybody. Um, also, something I didn't mention. So where I moved to Ohio, I had no family over there. I did have one friend. Um, That was nice, but, um, you know, she wasn't religious either, so I didn't really need the fellowship or a building or, you know, I was like, I don't need a church building, like, I'll be fine. I don't know if anybody can relate to that, so, um, but yeah, after that close friend moved away, um, I really found myself, um, it was honestly in a job that I hated, so I was working about 10 to 12 hours, six to seven days a week, actually some days, maybe even 14 hours, Uh, I basically was working all the time, and I was very depressed, uh, very lonely. I probably couldn't tell you that at the time, but that's what was happening. Um, And as many of you know me, I'm very extroverted, and I need people. I need friends. Like, I just, I get my energy from people. And so I developed a closer relationship uh, with a coworker because that's all I knew. You know, I was at work all the time. And um, who I thought was safe, you know, because he was married. And, you know, I... You know, there would nothing happen with him. Uh, I was very naive. And um, not long after that, found myself um, being impure and in a sexual relationship with him. And I couldn't believe what I was doing and, um, and what I had gotten myself into. I felt like I knew it was really wrong, but I couldn't stop. And, um, you know, I felt like a robot, almost like I literally was in the corner watching myself go through this. Um, like an out-of-body experience almost, not knowing who I was anymore. And I was hiding it all. I was hiding it, Uh, the shame, the guilt, all that built up inside. I was hurting. Um, But, you know, I put on a happy face for my family and my friends. They had no idea what was going on. And, um, you know, and at the time I really thought, okay, like I can settle into this life. Like, you know, this is my life and, you know, this is just what it's going to be. But God had different plans for me. Uh, Something else is during this time, um, so I was in that rotational program. I knew I was going to be moving again. um, But I kept praying, God, put me where you want me. Somehow I I still had that little seed, right? I had that little tie, like, God, put me where you want me. And that was my prayer. Uh, That just so happened to be 2,500 miles away in Glendale, California. (laughs) So I moved out here, no friends, no family. I knew one person picked me up from the airport it was a friend of a friend <laughs> and so I was scared um, you know white girl from the Midwest like I thought everybody was looking good out here and tan and you know Laguna Beach style I'm like I'm not gonna fit in um, but anyway so and like I mentioned earlier I'm very extroverted I wanted friends and so and I also love playing sports so thankfully at work they had a volleyball league I joined that and one of my co-workers uh, invited me to her volleyball tournament and that their church was putting on. And I was like, oh, that sounds great. Yeah, I'll go. And um, after that, they invited me to church. Um, and so, you know, one of the things was, is I knew I was not living my life the right way. I knew I wasn't living according to God's way. And that I really need to get back to church and to him. You know, clearly doing it on my own was not working. Uh, so I attended the church and um, in Glendale, California. That's the location I was at. And uh, met some really lovely uh, ladies, uh, started studying the Bible. Um, I actually thought I was getting into a study group. <laughs> and then I was like, why are the questions directed at me? But, you know, but my friend was amazing. She helped to clarify what was going on. And, um, you know, and it, it's amazing because the relationships I built in that group of women studying the Bible, I felt so safe I literally was sharing things I had never told to anyone, not even my best friend. You know, those relationships I was in, the hurt, you know, the loneliness, all that. And, uh, and so, you know, I kept studying the Bible, and that's when I made the decision that, you know what, I wanted to adopt God's way. I wanted to live by his standards, not make up my own, that we're going to change, depending on my situation and my emotions and whatever else. I wanted his standards. And to truly, this time, make Lord Jesus, uh, make Jesus Lord of my life. Like, completely Lord of my life. And so I made the decision. I got baptized September 6, 2009. Um, so it's a little more than 13 years ago. Yeah. And, uh, and, of course, I would love to say it's all been high since then, you know. Um, but, you know, there's going to be challenges that we go through. I mean, actually, the scriptures talk about, Jesus talks about how we're going to go through challenges in this life. And, uh, and so even after that, you know, I was laid off. And I went through some different heartaches. Um, you know, my plan when I was younger was like, okay, I'm going to be married by I'm 28. And then, you know, college degree, okay, that's out of the way. Career, yes, married by 28. Start having kids by 30. You know, all this kind of stuff, right? I don't know. Any of the women out there that can relate? Uh, Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, again, God has some different plans. Um, and so, you know, I was single for much longer than what I, I had originally planned. Um, but this time... Though I had Jesus to lean on, I had God's standards, and I had amazing fellowship of people around me that really helped to, to hold me up. And, um, and just even the hope that that brings and the hope that he brings. So, you know, even on a daily basis, choosing God over and over and over again, saying, you know what, if, if I don't get what I want, right, what my plan was, then, you know, you are enough, and that's going to be enough for me. And so, you know, God has blessed that. And uh, of course, you know, as. Is... Sorry about that. Um, you know, as I've already mentioned, like, so now, you know, I just got married to this amazing man of here. And, um, you know, and so now I'm doing much more, you know, much better spiritually. I'm more spiritually healthy, you know, but just not spiritually, like emotionally, physically. And I know that I have God's best for me. And so, you know, I just want to encourage you guys, like, it doesn't always look like what we plan or what we want, um, but really God's way is so much better. Like, I think about, you know, if I would have stuck with any of those past choices I had made, wow, I don't even know where I would have been. I probably would not have recognized who I am. And so now I'm more the person who I was always meant to be than what I ever was before. And so, and I've got to visit places all the world. I've been to Africa, Thailand, you know, met people, amazing people. And so just being in, you know, in God's kingdom and in his, you know, love. Um, And then that was also the other big thing is really getting to truly know God and his voice. Kind of like Mike mentioned, like now I can hear his voice uh, and know that that's him and uh, just have that one-on-one personal relationship with him. So thank you guys for letting me share.
0: Take this off. Sorry, i got to take that off. <laughs> Scripture says in First Peter, just to wrap up as we get ready to pray for uh, communion. It says in 1 Peter 1, 8 through 9, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls as you can hear from the testimonies there's an underlying joy isn't there when you choose God's way when you give him an opportunity to work powerfully in your life the miracles that ensue thereafter as we take communion let us celebrate that joy And if you have not yet experienced that joy there's ample opportunity to do so Uh, probably a friend here that you can meet and have a great conversation with let us pray for communion We thank you, Lord, for your son that died on a cross, for a body that was broken, for a blood that was shed that allows us to have testimonies, allows us to have stories of changed lives that only you could do. That bridge from God to man is finally put in place through your son. We thank you, God, for the love that you've shown us through him. Help us this morning, guys, we take communion to connect with you on a deep, intimate level. And thank you, God, for showing us the way. We love you. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.